0: Hey everyone, this is Chad from Present Day here to tell you that the episode you're about to listen to is actually about three months old. Whoops. For various reasons, it was never edited and uploaded during our hiatus, but we're glad to have it for you now. And good news, if you didn't already see on our social media, we've recorded another episode that should be live next week with plans to record more on a more regular basis. So lots more Avatar content headed your way. We talk more about the hiatus in the next episode, so in the meantime, enjoy our discussion on The Great Divide, and if you feel so inclined, we would so appreciate if you reached out to us on Twitter at XRoadsPod, through our phone number 3145-YIP-YIP, remember that is 314-594-7947, and through leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. Bye. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Crossroads of Destiny, an Avatar The Last Airbender Universe podcast. Right now, we're talking about every episode of Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender one at a time. I'm Chad Hopkins, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew and Melanie Grant. How are you two doing? Pretty tired, but we're good. Yeah, we're doing all right. Doing great. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump into things, and we'll go ahead and say up front that this is probably a shorter episode, uh, just because, I mean, if you've seen this episode... uh, you have seen this episode, I'm sure, you know that it's, it's kind of uh, not much going on, which is fine. It's a perfectly good episode, but uh, not a whole lot necessarily to talk about. So going on to the episode discussion, we are talking about The Great Divide, which is Book 1, Chapter 11. It is directed by Giancarlo Volp, written by John O'Brien. It aired back in May of 2005 on May 20th and was animated by DR Movie. And here's our summary. The next stop of the trio's journey on their way to the Northern Water Tribe is the Great Divide, a large canyon. Some might say a great, or a grand, even, canyon. (laughs) 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 Mayhaps. (laughs) Normally, they'd fly over it, but they come across two tribes called the Ganjins and the Zhangs, who have been feuding for a hundred years. So, seeing an opportunity to flex his avatar peacemaking chops, Aang solicits his friends to travel through the canyon with them to see if he can help them to move past their differences. So. Anything right off the bat, jump off the page, off the screen to us that we'd want to talk about?
1: I think I mentioned it earlier. Whenever we were watching the episode itself, that this animation is very different in this episode.
0: Yeah, we get a couple of flashbacks that do feature very, very uniquely different animation Mm. from what we. Well, obviously, from what we've seen normally, just because it's a sort of of out-of-episode kind of experience, right? But then the difference between the Ganjin story side of events and then the Zhang side of events. Uh, the, the Zhang's animation is like really sharp and jagged and edges, rougher yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of edges and then the ganjins who as you would expect it's a little bit more more just extravagant softer. It's, it's softer it's prettier to look at mm-hmm. refined that's a great way there to put go. it that's refined. a really great way to put it
1: yeah and i even with their facial expressions i noticed that it, like even with like ang's face mm-hmm. whenever they would get exasperated about something mm-hmm. it was just a different style than we've seen in any other episodes i think
0: yeah like when he got a- mad at them at the end when he discovered everybody had been carrying food when they weren't supposed to and then he saw the egg custard and his eyes got real big yeah super anime kind yeah. of stuff yeah, yeah. they've been leaning
2: on that a little bit more you saw that a little bit with katara when she was simping over jet the other day <laughs> <Simping>? <laughs> oh sorry uh, when, when she uh when she first met jet
0: yeah yeah, I think there is a little bit of controversy with this episode we can get to as we sort of discuss the, the events leading to the ending. Spill the tea. Um, but just starting <laughs> off the beginning, we have a glimpse into Aang's peacemaking ability yeah. when Sokka is complaining about Katara's uh, firewood gathering capabilities, mm-hmm. and Katara is complaining about Sokka's, oh, you, you got to put the tarp on the tent because it might rain. And Sokka, oh, it's the dry season. And plus, it's a really good blanket. So why would I even do that? Mm-hmm. But Aang says, okay, just switch jobs do it the way you want to do it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I
1: think it's funny that we mentioned in the episode before about how there's no, like, there wasn't any clear leader mm-hmm. in the beginning. And then we kind of said that was Sokka. I think Aang came out in this episode, very leadership-like.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that goes to what Andrew was saying uh, in that episode as well, was that everybody in the trio has a little bit of leader in them. And sometimes it just, they have to take turns. Who leading has, the troops
2: who has their big boy pants on that that's end. literally <laughs> what i was just yeah, about to yeah. say I mean, they're still still kids, married. so they're still gonna have their moments more much more frequently than most of not wanting to listen to the others or not wanting to do their part and so the rest the the other has to
0: then put them in line mm-hmm. ang's focus is over action rather mm-hmm. than harsh words and fairness was something he emphasizes pretty well too about how can I be fair to both sides of the party?
2: Yeah, because he, he didn't want to just, like, shut it down. It was, right. it was important that both sides were actually appeased in some manner.
0: Right. I, I thought of the office where there's the, the conflict resolution <laughs> and win, it's the win-win-win. <laughs> it, everybody wins. Everybody Including, wins. including me. <laughs> we could quote that whole episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs>
1: you wear the poster on your friend.
0: Oh, this is the wrong podcast, guys. Sorry, finished that other one.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so we do meet the Ganjins, and we meet the Zhangs, and they have this hundred-year feud, and I, I guess hundred years at any point set in the show when it's not about Aang should leap off the screen, because Aang was around a hundred years ago. Yeah. True. And so that does play into things when we get to the end of the episode. Um, and their their differences with each other mostly just comes down to personal insults over cleanliness and thievery, and we don't get the full story right away. Katara is the one who sort of pushes Aang into helping them out. She sees the opportunity for him to learn and to flex those muscles, and to see if he even can solve this conflict between the two tribes. And so Aang's like, "Oh, sure, okay, fine. We'll 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 give it a try." And so he tries to get them to just travel together but of course it's not that easy uh, but he is able to at least get them into the canyon and start traveling and we do get that sweet little canyon guide and i i looked i got to look up the actor's name but it's the actor who played mr Beauregard in the original willy wonka and the chocolate factory movie
1: oh that's kind of cool
0: yeah violets violets, violet's father. yeah really yeah i'll have to look up his name i'll do that in just He's a moment still
1: living God, that was a long time ago.
0: Well, he's not anymore. Oh, awkward. Oh, in 2005, my God. he was. <laughs> oh my God. I'll, I'll so cut out some of this time. That would be great. Because
2: this really took a morbid turn. But thanks for that question, babe.
0: His name is Leonard Stone. Leonard Stone. <laughs> and that's that's the thing he's most known for is as Mr. Beauregard in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But yes, he did die in 2011. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So, anyways, that's a fun little tidbit. Do we have anything to say about how things go while they're in the canyon? It mean,
1: sucks. Those canyon critters.
0: Yeah. The canyon crawlers, canyon Whatever. roaches. Nightmare fuel. Nightmare. Yeah. Those are, pre- they're pretty terrifying. <laughs> they
1: are really gross. Yeah, no. If anything that this, this show does really well is to make the animals in it yeah, look either super cute
0: so... or super <laughs> not. Yeah, it's like there's not too much of an inventory. No. <laughs> no.
1: And no. they were terrifying. I was like, it was in between like, what are those things called? A rhinoceros beetle with those big pincers in the front. Is that what those are called?
2: A Hercules beetle.
1: Something gross. The, the horned beetles? Yeah. I don't know. Something with pincers, and it's nasty. Yeah. And that's what that one looked like. That with spider legs. That's not okay.
0: And they just came out of nowhere. Yeah, no. That was, they're terrifying. Okay, so once Aang has convinced them to go into the canyon together and just share the canyon guide, the canyon guide says, okay, listen up, everybody. We can't take food down in there because these canyon crawlers that we've already discussed a little bit, uh, they're going they're going to come after us it's going to attract predators is what he says that he, he leaves it sort of open as to what predators are going to come so everybody eats presumably and then leaves all their food behind presumably and that ends up not being the case you totally no it's not the case not at all and it's funny the way things play out in the episode ang says okay these people go this way these people go this way after the canyon guide has sort of been uh knocked out of commission yeah because he so he can't earthbend anymore and he Aang sends Katara with one group and Sokka with the other, and they both get their own biased version <laughs> of the story yep. that led to the feud in the first place. I did enjoy the flashbacks, though. Those were, those were fun, and those mm-hmm. were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Wei Jin and Jin Wei. Yeah. Interesting names. Right.
1: And how... Of course, both of them immediately leaned into these stories and like how they found common how easily they were indoctrinated by the It was like almost instantaneous. Yeah.
0: My favorite part about it was so so we see that the the (laughs) were the first one to reveal that they had brought food. And Katara's response was, So you're the ones who brought in food and they're like, Well, yeah, but you you really you you really think the Zhangs didn't bring in food, so obviously why would we not bring in food if they're going to bring in food anyways? Mm-hmm. And so that was Katara's response. Mm-hmm. When the Zhang bring out their food, Sokka's just like, hey, look, food, eat me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, there's no criticism. There's no scorn. He's just happy to have something in his belly. Yes.
1: <laughs> I think I gasped when I saw them reveal all of that. I was like, and then, and that's so rude. The, the Zhang backward logic of,
2: well the Ganjin would have already assumed that we brought in food because they think, <laughs> that, uh, they think so lowly of us.
1: So you're just feeding into that. that. we knew that <laughs> they were going to bring in food. So we brought in food. Right, and I was right. just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's just, pretty
0: awful.
2: No, and what... I, I don't know if I necessarily put this together as a kid, but I definitely saw the political affiliations that you might see between these two. You definitely have like an elitist class and mm-hmm. a working class. And I'm sure when I was 12, I was this went completely over my head. But revisiting it, you mm-hmm. definitely see like you just have these biased stories with this biased background about something that didn't affect any of the people who are actually doing anything. Mm-hmm That is now causing such an unprecedented level of prejudice against the other group, Mm -hmm. even though it's basically the same thing.
0: Yeah, basically.
2: It's so frustrating to see it now because it's like the wokest thing that a cartoon could have showed a Mm 12-year-old. And since I had no idea what was going on, it went completely over my head. But now I can appreciate it a little bit more because I'm just like, whoa. Whoa. This means something like this right. is so you can unpack this a little bit, but we're not going to because it's going to get way too political. But I I just enjoy the fact that there's just some obvious things that you can like associate between these two. And ultimately, in the end, it just didn't matter. Right. Even if even if that was the case, it's just one of those like get over it. Who are you helping by maintaining this? And mm-hmm. so um, that's a, ultimately what led up to some form of unity between these tribes.
0: Well, the thing is it gets to the end of the, ep- towards the end of the episode and they're at the other side of the Canyon and they're about to try to get up, but they don't have earthbending to build themselves up. And so they have to get together in some way to find a solution to escape the Canyon. Mm-hmm. Well, Aang says his whole action over harsh words. And they're like, maybe the Avatar's right. Let's duel to the death and let this feud <laughs> end once and for all. And that's obviously not what Aang wanted. Right. Still that, eventually leads to the discovery of the food as ang stops their fighting and the canyon crawlers come out and there's tons of them this time and ang is able to find a way to use the canyon crawlers to their advantage and have everybody climb their way out and so we see them working together in fact the leader of the zhangs and the leader of the ganjin actually work together to overcome the same canyon crawler and climb their way out Mm -hmm. and they get to the top and it's like i never thought i'd see a ganjin be able to get his hands dirty and they say something complimentary about the zhangs as well and it's like a moment of peace. And you're like, they, they figured it out. They got past it. Nope. <laughs> nope. They pick up right where they left off. Yeah. They, they're too bad that, that we're so entrenched in our beliefs. And we have such a heavy grudge that we can't get past Forget this. Forget the
2: things that I'm literally witnessing in front of me. Mm-hmm. Because I already know too much. I think I know too much about you and everything you
0: represent. It's an inability to let go of the past. Yes. Yeah. Despite how or to how...
2: accept new information.
0: Right. Exactly. So this is, this is the controversy of the episode. I I have seen some sort of some criticism Mm -hmm. over the ending because what happens was Aang tells a story, as I mentioned earlier, he was around a hundred years ago. So presumably, yeah, maybe he did know Wei Jin and Jin Wei and they were just playing a game of redemption on the sports ball field. And it was just a timeout.
2: He sits on a throne of lies.
0: And <laughs> after they walk away, and they're, they're buddies now, and they're going to walk into Say as one tribe, rather than these two separate tribes, Ang then reveals to Katara that it was a lie. It was all a lie. A lie. Made it up. I totally believed him. Yeah, mm. that's the controversy. Yeah. Should an avatar lie if the outcome is peace?
1: Mm.
2: I mean, knowing what... Without giving too much away about the things that are to come.
1: You are the worst.
2: Yes. And I think previous avatars would have definitely done that and more and far more Mm -hmm. to bring peace.
0: I agree. I think that if the outcome is peace and it's going to result in peace for basically everybody, Mm -hmm. this is a pretty harmless thing for him to do. Yeah. You know, like, yes, it's a lie. Yes, it's not a great message for kids who are watching necessarily. but. It wasn't a harmful lie that was keeping people from important information. It was a way for people to get past their differences and realize that they can work together and they can coexist.
2: I think the bigger thing to unpack here is the fact that they didn't combat it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It was almost like they were looking for a reason to meld their tribes together. Almost.
2: And the fact that you can also say like none of them knew firsthand, like if they think they have a firsthand account. That would be new knowledge to both tribes.
0: Right. They, they, there None was a question of... They sitting
2: of... there know what happened. They know what they've been told has happened. Right.
0: There was a question of, what about our tribe's ancient redemption ritual? And they don't even know what the redemption ritual is. They're, they're so willing to accept that it's just a game. It's a sport.
2: Right. Because they don't know. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, any single one of them, to have known well enough what happened, besides through some secondhand knowledge. Mm-hmm. Or a story being passed down. And then for there to be a possible first-hand retelling of the story, they're more inclined to accept it because they can't combat it with anything else they know. Mm -hmm. And so even if they ask questions, Aang can explain them away. And I think that if it was like more ingrained into who they were as people, like if they're only like this because of this story, or this had some bigger impact other than a feud, I might be like, Aang probably shouldn't have like straight up lied to these people. But on the, the second hand that wasn't the case. It was even if it was real, even if the Ganjins imprisoned what's his face for twenty years. Even if the Zhang tribe mugged this dude and and, and took the ball or your orb power sphere, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Even if that was the case, they've been living their lives for the past hundred years, period. Things have moved on. They're just still angry about something. Right. So I think Aang was well within his right to be like, what if that wasn't the case? Would you still be angry? And the answer was no, because they've still been living their lives. They've still been doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. But as long as they could hate the other tribe for some reason. And he's just like... Let's put a pin in that because maybe that didn't happen. And then they were able to, to move on. And I think that was more important in
0: the long run. And you know something that just occurred to me? Something, a- another reason why they might have been so willing to let go of this feud mm-hmm. is because they're all refugees. They are yeah. all fleeing towns that were destroyed or were occupied by the Fire Nation. And so they have a common enemy. Already, mm-hmm. they don't need an enemy in each other. Within and so teeth, yeah. having an excuse to let go of that feud in order to travel together, to look after each other, to walk into bossing, say, as refugees as one, where they're going to be living together anyways, I mean, they might as well let go of that feud at this point. And so I, I think that they they really do find that they have more in common than differences. But even those differences, as Ang puts it, they respected each other's differences enough to share the same playing field. So that they're able to put that aside.
2: And I think, obviously, at this point, both tribes can benefit from each other, more so than just not having the same enemy or an enemy within themselves. But, like, it was kind of joking in the beginning about the sick people and the old people. Mm -hmm. Maybe if
0: you were cleaner y'all were
2: cleaner you would have less sick people and then the other tribe was just like well maybe if y'all weren't so clean you wouldn't have as many old people and they think it's like like the the harshest come back and you're like no that's actually like why they have old people right (laughs) and so so like you have this you know like obviously the Zhangs haven't been they're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum like they've kind of ingrained themselves into doing one one thing one way way too much, and they need to find middle ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Both of them can benefit from it. I think that's an important part of this episode as well, is the fact that you can't be too far one-sided. There has to be some balance, there has to be some moderation. And I think, as the Avatar, Aang knows that. Mm-hmm. Aang, Aang knows that his job is, there is there where there's imbalance, he must bring balance. And so... This lie doesn't necessarily mean anything as long as he can not only benefit these tribes, he can also bring balance and less feuding between the two of them. And honestly, they're going to be starting their new future anyway. They've left their homes. Mm -hmm. They don't really have a past. I mean, like they can hold on to their history as much as they want to, but ultimately— Wherever they're going is starting a new chapter in both of these tribes' lives. Mm -hmm. And so they can't be holding on to these limitations of the past if they're ever going to have a future.
0: Just a couple more quick things to say about this episode. I like that this episode shows more of the sort of typical duties for the Avatar outside of a war. Yeah. Like he is supposed to be the moderator, the person who brings peace to the spirit world, to the normal world, to people, to creatures, to nature. Uh, And so it's nice to see him step aside from just the war of things and to to just help people who are having problems. And then there was one other quote I thought we could talk about before we close off and get into our predictions. The guide approaches Aang while they are camping at night, and he says, lonely, isn't it? Being impartial. Mm -hmm. And I did not know, do do we have anything to say about what kind of thoughts or feelings that quote brings up?
1: I was thinking it's more like just a... A glimpse into the future of of once Aang learns all of his elements that he's supposed to, that it's going to probably be, he's going to feel like it's going to probably be pretty lonely for him, being the one that has to have all of this responsibility. Being set apart. Mm -hmm. Being set apart. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, he is the avatar. I mean, they're his friends, the people he's interacted with. They're friends with him. But ultimately, it's like, he's probably feeling it's like a task that he has to do on his own.
2: Right, and I think we already see Aang is not necessarily in line with anything currently. He's a representative of the Air Temple and the Air Nomads, but they don't exist anymore. Mm-mm. So he's already kind of alienated in that
0: sense. Yeah, he's already like truly neutral because the people right. he aligned with do not exist anymore.
2: Right, and so, right. I mean, even on the in the sense that now that he is aligned himself against the fire nation that doesn't necessarily make him welcome in the earth kingdom or part of a water tribe. He doesn't have a home with these people. Mm -hmm. Some of them will help him. Maybe they won't, but that does, he's not a part of that.
0: I do want to say something in response to what you just said. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I agree that Ang has set himself against the fire nation. I would say he set himself against fire Lord Ozai.
2: Fire Lord Ozai, and that's fair, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, almost, I almost said it as such, but mm-hmm. yes, yeah. he set himself against Fire Lord Ozai. Right. And I guess the more to the point was that that doesn't necessarily put him in line with the Earth Kingdom. Right, right. Or uh, the Water Tribes.
0: Right, I just wanted to make yeah. it... Quick.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and I also thought it was interesting to go back to the fact that we're seeing these kind of duties of the Avatar outside of getting ready to fight Fire Lord Ozai in the sense that they get to this canyon. They know that they can fly over with on, on Appa and they choose to go down. Like Ang had every reason to be like, um, actually, no, I don't have time for this. Right. I have to learn three new more elements <laughs> Yeah, to defeat the Fire Lord before Sozin's Comet comes. And that's only in a couple months. So, Y'all have fun. I mean, it would, like, I'm out. I felt like it would have been well within Aang's capability to just be like, I'll help your old your old people and your sick people. We'll get them across where they need to go. But I'm going with them. Right. Like, you you take care of the rest. Me. I'll help y'all because that's my job as the Avatar. But And I felt like his duties would have been done at that point mm-hmm. for him to have to escort these people and add more time to his journey despite the fact that he was already in a massive time crunch, that was some next level avatar kind of stuff. And I was just like, I mean, it, you just see that he has to be pulled into these situations. He has to, but I mean, granted he learns and learns from them and it's part of his story and everything, but it just seems like how much is on this kid's plate? Where Where does his responsibilities really end? Like he didn't know who these people were. Mm-hmm. they just sort of happened upon him yeah and now he has to be now he has to be involved in their lives and a hundred year
0: feud between the two of them
2: how how was that his job
0: yeah the journey that in goes on in this episode is yeah he lies but i think it's because of what we've already gone over which is that he realizes that the feud the, this hundred year feud was the only thing keeping these people from working together and getting along with each other and so the lie was his way of getting rid of that barrier between them and letting them live their lives. So uh, that, that's a lesson in and of itself, not necessarily the lying part. I don't think that that's necessarily a takeaway that kids would have for this episode, that lying's okay necessarily. But I mean, in this instance, it was okay. It was harmless. It didn't hurt anybody. And it, in fact, brought people together rather than took people apart. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: let's talk about Melanie's predictions.
1: <laughs> I'm over 2 on
0: my <laughs> predictions. Yeah. So what, what did Melanie predict for this episode? That we would get some Fire Nation backstory dang it not not this time i'm
1: so frustrated i don't think
0: we saw fire bending in this episode. no there weren't there weren't any fire zuko didn't even make an appearance zuko so.
2: again was the next okay, one okay i got it got it i didn't get right there um and then i think we, i it just wrote learning and i think that was uh more, more
0: water bending. yeah more water bending. well we we did see katara do some more water bending with her little pouch waist satchel thing but i don't think we saw any of Aang doing anything and that was the episode before
1: no, she did it again.
0: Yeah, she did in this episode. Right. She, she would... But it wouldn't have been new. No. That's my point. No.
2: And Aang didn't learn any new waterbending. No. So I think what we were going with was that we were finally going to get back on track in terms right. of Aang mastering waterbending.
1: I guess I just want him to do what he's supposed to do. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> nice, right?
0: Well, I will go ahead and say that our next episode is called The Storm. <laughs> and I will also say that it is a big one. So, big one. Melanie. What do you have thoughts about the storm?
1: I am the oncoming storm. No. was Doctor Who, don't look at me like that. No, I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, let me see. Hmm. I have to think about it. The storm.
0: Well, first off, do you think it's a metaphorical or literal storm?
1: You know, I this is what happens to me.
2: <laughs> that I think
1: it's that you totally the great metaphorical. Was a metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna
2: I mean it was, but it wasn't. Like if the canyon wasn't called the Great Divide, you would have been a metaphor. See the metaphor between the two tribes. Yeah, I mean, I guess. However, <laughs> it was called the Great Divide. Shut up. Okay, just make sure. Okay, right.
1: so mate. Okay, so I could totally just go against my own strategy mm-hmm. and say that it was literal.
2: Literal storm. Got it. Okay. What else?
1: Maybe this is gonna be. Why a- would
2: there be an episode about a literal storm?
1: An impediment for them to go more north, for him to continue to learn.
0: Okay, so another obstacle.
1: Another obstacle.
0: What do you think? Do you think we'll catch up with Zuko and the Fire Nation at Man, all? I don't
1: know what Zuko's doing. <laughs> not tracking him. At least that, Not that we've seen. Um, maybe.
0: Let's yeah, say yes. I, did we have we haven't seen him in two episodes. Yeah, did we have Zuko in Jet at all? No. Not at all. No, so the, I mean, the last time we saw him was Waterbending Scroll. Yeah.
1: So we have had a, one episode where we're just showing Fire Nation soldiers, but we haven't mm-hmm. had yeah, no Zuko. Zuko or Uncle Iroh, which I really miss Uncle Iroh, so it would be really mm-hmm. nice to see him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Zuko and Uncle. Okay. Anything else? Any other thoughts about what could be coming in the storm? Hmm.
1: Man, I feel like it's metaphorical, though.
0: If Okay, how about this? If it's metaphorical, what do you think it's about?
1: So, it could be the... Just
0: be like, or.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or. uh, It could be the internal struggle that Aang is having with himself. Maybe he feels like it's too much pressure. Okay. He has six months.
2: Is is this his storm with being the Avatar? Mm -hmm. Gotcha.
0: Avatar storm.
1: But that's it. I don't want to make any more.
0: Okay, I, I like those. Let's uh-huh. let's see John's how they turn name. out in our next episode. Uh, with that, that's the end of the tenth episode of Crossroads of Destiny. Thank you all for listening and continuing to listen. Please find us on social media at Xroads Pod. Go to Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating and a review. We actually got a new rating recently. I don't know if it came with the reviews. Sometimes Apple Podcasts is a little bit slow to update those, but in any case, we would love to get more of them uh, to help build our audience and be more visible to more people. If you would like to Give us feedback directly or send ideas to the show. You can email xroadspod at gmail.com, and you can also leave a voicemail, 3145-YIP-YIP. Yip, that nine four seven nine four seven. Keep it around a minute or so, and we might include it on the show. We would love to include it on the show. Melanie, where can people find you online?
1: They can find me at MelanieAmanda44, and that's on Instagram.
0: Andrew?
2: Doesn't exist on the internet. <laughs>
0: So you can find Andrew on the X-Roads Pod Twitter account following that, and you can also find him through Melanie and I. You can find me on Twitter at Chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. My other podcasts are the Cinescope Podcast, which is a movie show where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them. And there's an American Workplace where we talk about every episode of The Office. And so you can go listen to both of those and let me know what you think. Show notes and contact information for this show can be found at our website, xroadspod.com. And that is all for this week. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you in episode 11 when we talk about book one, chapter 12, The Storm. Bye. Bye.